Hello everyone and welcome to a brand new episode of the Indian Art Podcast where we interview some of India's next best analytical and creative minds who are not only revolutionizing their own field but at the same time transforming India's entrepreneurial ecosystem one step at a time. Our guest for the day is a partner at Antler India. Antler is a global early stage venture capital firm with 17 offices across 5 continents. It was in June 2020 when Antler decided to expand their offerings to India which was led by our guest. Before Antler India, he co-founded Urban Ladder in 2012. As co-founder and chief product and technology officer, he helped raise over 100 million dollars in venture capital from marquee investors and helped build Urban Ladder into one of India's most loved online furniture brands. We have with us Rajiv Shrivatsa. Let us jump right into the conversation. Hi Rajiv I hope you're all settled in. Yes, thanks for having me Gautam. Excellent, excellent. So let's get started. So Rajiv, just to give our viewers some context, Antler was founded in Singapore in 2017 by a team of experienced entrepreneurs, investors and company builders. And uh, Antler is currently a global early stage VC with I think 17 offices across five continents and one of them is right here in India. and in june 2020 when antler actually decided to you know expand their offerings to india they you know approached you to you know uh, you rajiv shivatsa the co-founder of urban ladder to helm this launch so in your own words in your own words tell us your experience in setting up antler's india presence back in 2020 i think the great part of setting up antler has been that it it felt very similar to the first 12 18 months of urban ladder all right you know you are just being a founder right because you know the way antler is set up is a very federated approach antler sort of you know gets one or two people in every geography and pretty much gets them to set up everything from scratch right that includes the fund so your capital raising like just like any other founder that includes setting up the office getting the first few hires deciding what needs to be done in the market doing customer research so pretty much like starting up you know urban ladder you know 10 years back uh all of those activities that i did in the first few months is exactly what i did in a very different context in 2020 with antler it took me 6 months obviously just like it took 6 months to launch urban ladder it took me 6 months so we lo- really launched antler in india in 2021 january uh and i was lucky to find my co-founder also uh in that process very similar to urban ladder that was nitin and so nitin and me sort of have spent uh you know those 6 months working together between june 2020 and uh december 2020 and launched this in jan 2021 hired did all of the usual stuff right that you do as a startup and that way i think it's been a a phenomenal learning experience also because it's a very different context and uh, and today of course antler is present as you said in many different geographies it feels very, very difficult to keep count because almost every month there's a new <laughs> geography that's being launched so we are now in korea we are now in japan uh we are in canada we are in vietnam we are in indonesia it's very difficult to keep track but i think the whole idea of antler is to build a really truly global powerhouse which is somewhere local in nature right because the entire team is local which is very different from many other uh vcs and or uh you know others who play in the pre seed stage where there's a lot of decision making and there's a lot of power that happens in many maybe one geography and other geographies act as satellites here it's truly you know global local that way every antler geography acts in its own way in terms of its own decisions and the central team which is based out of singapore acts as more the platform team so provides a technology platform underlying provides 
uh, a bunch of capital resources underlying. But really, the decision making and uh, running the show happens in the local geography across all of these different geographies. Understood. So just to summarize, I, I believe the Antler Global Office acts as an enabler for each and every one of the local offices and each and every one of the local offices works in an ind independent manner. That's, That's excellent. That's excellent, Rajiv. So that technically makes you like a second time founder or something. <laughs> but I know. That's true. It, it's almost like a, a complete founding journey uh, for Antler too. It's exactly in every sense feels like the first 18 months of Urban Ladder. <laughs> and I tell this to people a lot, actually. Right. So, so let's come to Urban Ladder. You know, before Antler, your, your, first, your first project was Urban Ladder, which you co-founded in 2012. And as co-founder and chief product and technology officer, you know, you helped raise over $100 million in venture capital from marquee investors and, you know, helped build Urban Ladder into one of, you know, India's most loved uh, online furniture brands. So how did you get into entrepreneurship and you know how did urban ladder start you know in as we like to say in our podcast tell us your indian origin story that's uh i can just talk a lot on that but let me try and give you a shorter version of it right which is i think for me you know if you look at ashish and me we go back a long way in terms of we started doing stuff together in campus mm -hmm. uh, which was in uh, iim bangalore in uh, 2002 to 2004, right? We were next door neighbors and we used to pretty much do every single extracurricular activity in campus. I built the entire campus intranet. Uh, we both were part of a lot of clubs and uh, every opportunity we used to do stuff in campus. And for us, it was really about creating legacy, creating impact at that scale within a, a small campus of 400 people. And uh, we went our own ways right after campus. Uh, Ashish went to McKinsey. Uh, in 2004, I joined Cognizant. Both of us managed to land in Bangalore in 2008 and, uh, you know, did our own thing. So I was in Yahoo uh, for four years uh, building consumer products. Then Ashish joined uh, as the chief operating officer of Amachitakata. And during those four years, pretty much every other weekend, we used to meet up, right? Uh, right. And talk about the growing startup ecosystem. At that time, that was just Flipkart and maybe Snapdeal and, uh, you know, a bunch of these three, four companies which sort of became uh, the inspirations for the next set of entrepreneurs who started in 2010. And uh, I think one thing led to the other and over those four years, I think we just brainstormed a lot of ideas. None of it came into any action. Uh, but somewhere around 2011, uh, you know, which is when I think the big company uh, was getting to me in terms of making more presentations than products. Uh, and yeah, was a great experience, right? I learned so much in terms of product management for the consumer world, uh, consumer research, building products ground up, working with UX and engineers. So it gave me a lot of confidence to build internet products uh, after Cognizant, which was more enterprise, right? For four years in Cognizant. And the same, Ashish had a lot of uh, interfaces to investors because of Amachitra Kata and he raised a, a bunch of capital at ACK. And uh, he also had a huge amount of experience running a physical world operation, right? In terms of supply Understood. chain, in terms of really running business and managing big teams and stuff. So I think between the two of us, we felt that there was enough and more of a complementary skill and also a working relationship in the past from campus days. And uh, one thing led to the other, and uh, I can get into the next level uh, details on that in case uh, you want to go there. But I think 2011 end is when we said, okay, let's do something together. And the first idea, funnily enough, was not even furniture. It was online groceries. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we spent a bunch of time, I think probably a couple of months around the end of 2011 to say that, hey, online grocery is great as a market. It's a clear consumer need, but I don't think uh, we will be passionate about building something there. And this was the days when there was no big basket. There was no 
uh, none of the other players were there, right? We just felt, didn't feel as passionately about the problem. And uh, then we moved from online furniture to a variety of sectors, everything from education to healthcare to energy to, uh, you know, a lot of other ideas. And then somewhere landed uh, on commerce and the women as a customer. Then we met Vani, uh, who became our first investor, Vani Kola of Kalari, and Excellent. sort of brainstormed a bunch of times with her. And she said, hey, you know, that's too broad a segment. And I already have investments in uh, Mintra and uh, I remember a couple of other uh, firms. And why don't you go more deeper into a specific category? Then we chose right. home because okay. we felt that home was where the market was big. The need was very big. And we were also passionate about really building something in the home space because both of us felt that it was a big product game. There was just a lack of good quality products and the buying experience online, I felt was also extremely going to be very difficult to crack, right? So, so working on more challenging problems, which we were more passionate about was a big reason why we chose home rather than some other category. So by December 2011, I think it was clear that we were going to go home and within home, we were going to pick furniture as the first category because we felt you would rather attack the hardest problem first, the biggest consumer problem first, rather than something which is easier to execute, like decor or, you know, uh, trinkets and stuff. So that all happened December, Jan 2011. And we spent the next six months, as I said earlier, uh, to sort of set up uh, Urban Ladder between Jan 2012 and uh, June 2012. We also raised uh, capital from Kalari. Vani became our first investor during that process. We hired, uh, we raised capital, all the things that I shared with the first six months of Antler 2. Uh, I just had my co-founder earlier. Here I managed to find my co-founder within those six months. Um, and uh, launched in July 2012. This year, we are going to actually cross 10 years actually in July of 2022. That's that's excellent. That's excellent. I think uh, this past decade has been uh, has been like, you know, quite quite exciting for you and you know because the 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 thrill and the rush and the adrenaline of actually starting up you i think you went through that experience twice in in, in the same decade so that's excellent yeah, that's the other way to look at it and just those eight nine years uh through that urban ladder journey of a lot of highs and lows and ups and downs i think right. uh, I, I, you know it's not that your next experience won't have the highs and the lows it's just that at least it's made me you know what i am today and hopefully handle some of that way better Definitely, uh, definitely. I, I completely agree with you. So Rajiv, I want to move now to basically your investment philosophy and focus on that a bit. Okay. So let's talk about India first. Okay. So India has the third biggest startup ecosystem after US and China. And according to the recently released economic survey, India has, I think, 83 unicorns worth $278 billion. And a lot of this has been due to how, you know, how 2021 has been such a stellar year for the Indian startup ecosystem, you know, with, with close to 44 unicorns in, in 2021 itself. So what is your personal bull case for the Indian entrepreneurial ecosystem? And taking that a step further, what sectors and industries are you specifically the most bullish about, bullish about when it comes to India? I think the bull case for India is uh, pretty obvious, right? And this is not because there have been, let's say, 40 unicorns last year. We as a country are going to increase our GDP per capita as well as GDP. And there's always an inflection point as an economy in terms of when that consumerism is going to really take off, right? And that's already happened, right? And we've had these swings, as I said, you know, over the years, uh, even the last decade. But if you look at just, there are a lot of one-way trends in terms of access to 4G, thanks to Reliance Geo, 
in terms of access to devices, just the way mobile was a revolution last decade, this decade, everyone is predicting, and I'm a big believer in that, AR and VR is going to be that, right? In terms of really taking technology to the next set of masses. And there's a lot of enablers there in terms of, uh, you know, 5G and in terms of just core infrastructure. So I would say every kind, every part of your life, whether that's education, whether that's jobs, whether that's relationships, whether that's gaming, media, entertainment, you're going to 100% use technology. And it doesn't matter whether you're a 20-year-old or a 50-year-old, right? Uh, so if that's the bull case, uh, clearly, as I said, you know, the whole my day job at Antler is based on that bull case, right? <laughs> Which is uh, to say that I uh, certainly strongly believe in that. But there is also one additional angle there, right? Which is, it's not just companies building for the Indian economy and this huge increasing customer base. Uh, there is also built from India for the world, right? Which is something that you're seeing with many companies, uh, you know, and I'm not talking only SaaS, right? I'm talking even consumer companies. Web right. 3.0, the decentralized web is a great example, right? Whether that's blockchain, whether that's uh, DeFi, whether that's uh, DAO, whether that's, uh, you know, NFTs, you would see a lot of companies that are built globally for customers globally, because the whole core proposition of this web 3.0 is this very decentralized web, right? And uh, what is, uh, you know, what is phenomenal is you see a lot of young Indian founders take off on a lot of stuff which is related to web 3.0. The other two, three aspects that Indian founders and young Indian folks are very, very passionate about and are able to relate to a lot is stuff like climate, right? Things which the next set of 20 year olds are very passionate about climate, you know, whether that's EVs, you see a lot of regulations, even in this budget uh, on uh, EVs and opening up the EV market in the next 10 years, that's going to be massive. Everything related to climate and ESG, everything related to alternate meat uh, and, you know, a variety of fronts, which is going to directly or indirectly impact the climate. Third is, uh, which I already mentioned, which is AR and VR uh, in terms of, again, you know, people talk about the metaverse and, you know, whole of Facebook rebranding sort of makes a, a big case for it. But at the end of the day, it's very simple, the core logic of why the metaverse or AR and VR will take off, right? There is no way on earth that uh, 7 billion people in this world are going to enjoy the fruits that the 500, 600 million, which is one-tenth of the population today enjoy because of wealth, right? Because if, let's say, everyone in this world had the money, would we have enough flights to land in Switzerland? Would Switzerland be able to take so much load? Would Stanford right. have enough seats for 10x the audience? Won't the quality of the education suffer? Right. Uh, so every category, whether that's healthcare, whether that's education, whether that's travel, whether that's entertainment, you can't have a million people in a live concert, even if everyone wants to go and had the money, right? A live concert right. can only take so many people. So I think the power of AR and VR is so humongous that for people and countries, specifically developing countries where the reality sucks, reality sucks, right? In terms <laughs> of people in developing countries, uh, you are able to give them a, a false or a, or a fake world, right? And I would urge anyone who has not watched this movie, Ready Player One, to watch it oh, many, oh, okay. many times. So I was just about to refer to Ready Player One that the, what you've exactly mentioned right now is a very Ready Player one philosophy that... <laughs> that oh, that's uh, true. And yeah. see, the thing is, uh, devices have taken far more time than people anticipated they would to get to that scale. But right. I somehow, you know, and I've been one of those who <laughs> was completely wrong in that. I thought by 2020, VR is going to take over and it's not happened. 
uh, in Urban Ladder, we invested in VR in 2016, way before right. devices were popular. And we made a, a phenomenal app, which is uh, for an infinite store experience inside the VR world, right? All you right. can simulate e-commerce at a, at a factor which is NX better in terms of its experience inside the VR world. But if you see the latest devices that Oculus is or, uh, you know, all the talk about Apple working on AR devices, which will come out in 2023, I think sometime in the first half of this decade, you will see a lot of very good devices. And there are certain device level problems that still need to be solved, right? Like the pair of glasses that you're wearing, can AR and VR come into really that and at some future point in time, really get into almost like a contact lens, right? right. So you actually put it there, that you're actually able to see a very different world. Uh, like the Ready Player One, without having to actually go into that world, right? Right. And uh, so I know I talked a lot about this third aspect because out of these three, I'm probably most passionate about the AR VR world. But I would say at Antler and for Indian founders and Indian entrepreneurs to capture on onto this wave of whether that's Web 3.0, whether that's uh, climate or whether that's AR VR, I think we can build a lot of great global companies. And each of these is going to accommodate hundreds of unicorns, right? And when I say unicorns, I don't just mean the valuation as much as just saying that these are companies which will be really global in nature, have thousands of employees, impacting millions of customers. So the bull case for me for Indian founders is clearly there are 500 unicorns, maybe 100 decacons, and maybe <laughs> 10 or 20, I don't even know what the <laughs> word is for a $100 billion company. But I think the, the point with all this is, of course, not just the crazy valuations, but when someone is a $100 billion company, they are probably a, a company that's globally impacting, right? They have hundreds of millions of customers and they clearly are impacting the globe. If you are uh, a Decacon, you probably, you know, uh, a lot of the public companies in India, you are clearly having a pan-India impact on, again, 50 to 100 million customers, right? And I think you will see a lot of Indian companies, Indian founders build those companies this decade. And at the end of the decade, the number today is what, 80, 85, uh, number of unicorns. I think that will be in the few hundreds. I don't know, I understand. 400 or 500 or 600. <laughs> that's that's incredible. And, and Rajiv, uh, particularly quite an interesting answer due to the reference to <laughs> Ready Player One. And uh, I, think, uh, I think like you rightly mentioned, I think what AR VR does is that it democratizes experiences and uh, whether, whether you live in India or you live in China or you live in, uh, say, you live in South Africa, you can experience the same thing sitting, sitting from the comfort of your home. And uh, hopefully it doesn't, it doesn't come to that point uh, of Ready Player One where the outside world has become a total apocalypse. <laughs> and now, yeah, uh, hopefully not. And that's the thing, right? See, the, a lot of the next generation is going to have real relationships in the VR world. And that's okay. We that's from fine. our generations might think that, oh, shucks, that's not a relationship. But for them, that's a real relationship. So the way right. everything from work to education, to relationships, to happiness, to mental health, to all the ways in which we live will undergo foundational fundamental changes, which the previous generation will always sort of revolt against. Understood. Uh, but that's just that next generation will make super peace with it. And that's the way they will live. And how all of those happens is there's just a whole lot of very interesting things yet to be figured out because the maturity of that device and that platform is pretty new, almost like the mobile phone in 2007. Understood, understood. Definitely. I, I think the I think the AR VR world is also waiting for its Apple iPhone moment where the game changes completely. 
So, uh, Rajiv, I want to follow up on my previous question uh, and look at the inverse of this. That you know, what factors do you see are currently acting as blockers that need to be fixed for the Indian entrepreneurial ecosystem to grow even more? And you know, what sectors and or industries do you see most impacted by such blockers? I think the you know what has changed in the last three four years is I think capital is no longer a blocker. I think it's come in you know humongous droves to the market, and I think that's certainly one thing that has been unblocked. Uh, but having said that, I think there are two three very foundational things which are still blockers, right? And I say blockers; these are not unsolvable problems. Or uh, like Antler, we are trying to solve two or three of these very core problems, right? first one in the first 6 to 12 months of the founding journey there's just a lot of ambiguity okay there's a lot of ambiguity on every front whether you know your co-founder you found your co-founder or not uh, do you have the right kind of a team do you have the right capital are you going after the right problem for the next 10 years do you have the early product market fit so stuff around just i would say talent stuff around early product market fit stuff around getting that first customer stuff around getting their first global customer if you are building for the globe from india i think there are enough and more challenges here which need systemic endemic solutions right uh, at antler we pride ourselves in solving some of these foundational problems these are not overnight problems to solve these take years if not decades to solve really well and the if i were to just call out the most important problem of all of it i would say it's the talent right in terms of the number of engineers number of designers number of product managers the number of marketers that right. at scale need to be in the system to be able to freely first of all flow between all of these different companies and create solutions which can be very differentiated in the long term i think for that that core foundational talent is still lacking right and uh, you know and there is a lot of new age institutions uh, of the world which are not the traditional institutions but the new age institutions uh, education is one of the most funded categories in this country which are trying to change that right in terms of uh, you know the upgrades and academies of the world uh, and hopefully they're able to do that but it's going to still take some time because education is not an overnight problem uh, so solution again so i think there's a lot of new startups just in that space to sort of change the talent game but again as i said that's not an overnight thing so to get real foundational quality takes 3 4 5 years and 10 years of consistent uh, work and uh, really big hits to you know tell those stories and get more talent to work on it understood understood i think i think uh, you you might also be referring to the problem that is current that currently uh, indian tech startups are facing and that is the that is the, i believe the extreme uh, extreme salary spikes that have taken place for technical or specialized roles whether that is uh, engineers designers product managers as well and uh, you know uh, as well as uh, i believe uh, product marketing or growth marketers i think i think that that is also might cause uh, while there is a lot of capital in place but a lot of capital is also actually going towards uh, just those core roles at the start it's very unhealthy the some of the salary levels is just very unhealthy <laughs> and it's not right. sustainable that's because there's a talent problem it just goes into the same set of people and it's i mean i have no one to say whether it's right or wrong but certainly in a long term for sure it just skews and it just sort of uh skews the game too much towards people who have raised too much capital right because that industry comes in and uh you know and smart founders who for whatever reason did not end up because maybe they were in a different macro cycle maybe they were in a different uh, space uh that's just unfair uh and, and it's not healthy you know more than being fair or unfair it's just not healthy 
right but i think i think when there is a when there will be a i think a, a correction in the overall the you know valuations or the overall capital cycle in general i think that will have a second order effect on on these unhealthy aspects as well of the startup ecosystem yeah you get lot stronger founders lot stronger talent lot more company cultures built during all these down times right you don't right. want these down times to persist also for too long but really that's when the people sort of you know stay back right because you don't right. get paid as much as the high times but that's true that's sort of again it's part of any ecosystem it's part of any cycle so right. i think that you or i or anyone so, for that matter can do so i i work as a product manager and, and i hope for <laughs> hope otherwise but yeah <laughs> anyway. i can imagine <laughs> <laughs> right okay so uh, rajiv let's let's do a deeper dive into how antler india works okay so antler india invests at the earliest stages right and uh, investing in startups is generally risky and the more you go to an earlier stage the more risky it gets so you know as the partner at at you know antler india what do you look for in a startup when you invest in them i think at some broad level everyone who's doing early stage investing outside of investing in people that you really know well is doing you know these two three things in some form and some scale right one is you're looking at what is the founder done what have they built you know how have they done and this is not about their pedigree as much as have they gone and taken risks have they failed have they really built something which is meaningful right and of course you could be a first time college founder you could be a repeat founder doing a third startup in all of these cases there are ways to sort of evaluate that The second is what we call the founder market fit, very abuse term. Is why is this founder building in this space? Is this because they are passionate about it? Is this very opportunistic? Is this that they really feel for a problem statement there? So you have your own ways to assess the founder market fit, but that's certainly a big second factor. The third is at some level the market, market structures. What's the market? Because VCs, the entire venture capital industry only plays in big markets. It could be a market which is big already, or a market that's going to become big. uh because venture capital can't play in markets that are small you know you can never win the market right the market is small is i mean you can grow the market but you know you can't build a venture capital firm in a 20 million dollar market or a 100 million dollar market also right you need a billion dollar market or a multi billion dollar market to be able to raise venture capital typically i'm saying right uh or know that it's going to get to those multi billion dollars and some punt and some bet over the next few years So I would say the market and the market structures and what and how that is playing out is a big third factor in evaluating that startup. So, but these are the three factors. Uh, at the stage at which we go, we go at a concept stage largely, ninety uh, percent of the cases. So there is no product, there is no metrics, there is no revenue, there is no none of that. The founder is uh, maybe found their co-founding team or just about finding their co-founder and just building their first MVP or version, you know, first version of the product. So we can assess some parts of how good the product is, but not really because it's too early. The stage at which we go. Understood. Understood. That that makes that makes a lot of sense. And uh, Rajiv, uh, you 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 spoke about students, right? And I believe Antler India has uh, has also launched a fellowship which is uh, which targets you know college students and and provides them with capital uh, and a lot of freedom to be able to build their ideas out. So why don't we speak about that in a little bit more detail? Sure. I think the you know and it was sort of using data that we got right. uh in our first 10 investments we saw two of them were college founders so we just went deeper into understanding the consumer needs of what college founders so we did a massive survey of a few hundreds of college founders and figured that while people who have become founders and have built out products there is enough and more equivalent access to capital 
there is a huge set of people waiting in the wings and waiting in the wings and not taken that big bold call because of a variety of reasons. Maybe it's because of a bit of peer pressure, maybe because of a bit of family pressure, maybe because they have an education loan, maybe because there is just this thing that, oh, you have to get a job right after you graduate, right? So we said, hey, why don't we try and change this game over the next five, 10 years, right? And obviously start with the, with a small sort of, a, uh, you know, a, an initiative and try how that goes, right? So we launched the Antler India Fellowship, uh, November, December of uh, 2021. And uh, we've gotten a phenomenal response. We've got 2,500 applications from across 700 colleges in the country uh, of people who wanted to become a founder or were just starting to build stuff as side projects, right? Uh, and they didn't know if they were ready to take that full, uh, you know, uh, bite uh, to become a founder. So what we're doing is a four-month program with individual mentorship and a $20,000 grant, right? Which is a huge That's amount incredible. of money. It's 15 lakhs. Uh, 15 lakhs is almost one or two years of salaries, even from the top campuses, right? To right. say that, hey, you completely, you know, don't worry about that. Just go build this out. And in the next four months, you know, we engage with you, we interact with you, we roll out a program with you, we sort of get to know each other better. And at the end of those four months, uh, we'll invest in you in the same terms that we invest in our other founders. Um, uh, you know, and we have eight teams that we picked uh, for this. I don't know if we'll invest in all eight teams, but every one of these eight teams has a, you know, has the chance to get invested in by Antler, right? And that's huge because if we, let's say, invest in them at the end of the program in May or June, then we work with them post-investment to also take them to the next round and the next round. And sort of really that's a 10-year journey right after, right? And in the worst case, we don't. You at least have, you know, uh, capital to sort of pursue your dreams uh, and, you know, really take a shot at it and with no regrets, right? I think that's sort of what the Antler India Fellowship does. We hope to roll it out multiple times every year and sort of expand that uh, to more students every year as we sort of scale that up. But I think there's just been a phenomenal response and the need is pretty clear that there is. Uh, and also the way we have structured the program over those four months is because we identify what are the challenges for uh, first-time founders. All of these are first-time founders. Largely, all of them are engineering. Uh, we have a huge skew towards engineering founders. So we understand where the gaps are, right, in terms of working with people. They don't have real work experience. They don't know how to build an organization, right? So we have identified those very specific certain gaps in terms of business and people and sort of making sure that we have programmatic interventions to help them be better founders. Understood, understood. That, that's incredible. That's incredible, Rajiv. Uh, Rajiv, uh, you spoke about, you know, founder market fit. So let, let's apply that to you, you know. So prior to Urban Ladder, you spent a decade, that is, I believe your decade zero, you know, at various large technology companies, including Yahoo, Cognizant and Infosys. And, you know, I think it's safe to say that, you know, you're an incredible product and tech thinker. So now that you're donning the hat of a venture capitalist, what role do you personally play in the investments with Antler? Are you an operator or mentor or are you strictly an investor? I think it's a huge people role. The advantage for me during the Urban Ladder journey is I played three roles, right? The first role was uh, heading brand and marketing and just building brand Urban Ladder. I think it uh, first two and a half, three years before we got our first CMO in 2015 or 2016. That whole three years made me understand how to build a zero to one brand, whether that was in terms of customer service, social media, messaging, marketing, merchandising, branding. I, you know, that experience building probably one of the India's first quote unquote D2C brands when the word <laughs> D2C was not even there. Right. Uh, to scale it up to approximately 100 crores in the first three, four years. I think, you know, just using digital channels and social media and stuff, I think that was a phenomenal experience, right? Uh, 
building brand antler has been very similar i think in the last one year we've been able to build brand antler very very strong right for a i don't think people recognize antler in india as one year old right, right uh, literally right. we got 8000 applications uh, last year across <laughs> what that's incredible uh, right and uh, and another 2500 student applications so 10000 applications and uh, very few one year brands get that kind of a scale right so that's the first experience that i would say from i would say thanks to urban ladder the second and but the most important role i play though is that of uh, uh, you know understanding people i also was the head of hr at urban ladder for 7 years right Understood. so that's a 1200 member uh, team right so everything around working with people the trust quotients vision values sort of how do you get people engaged and how do you sort of uh, spot people and talent i think that's really what it is the venture game also you're spotting people especially at the stage at which antler plays you're spotting talent it's maybe a different kind of a talent uh, it's founder talent understood which is let's understood. say great marketing or engineering talent but it's still talent nevertheless right so at the spotting stage i think a lot of the role that i play is to understand the psyche and why a person is doing what they are doing uh, and during the early phases sort of working with them to design define the vision and the values so a very specific intervention and a workshop that i do with all our founders whether that's the antler india fellowship or the antler program or the portfolio is identifying the vision and values of the company and setting the first set of how they go recruit their first two three people right this is something that is so critical for a startup success that uh, you know uh, you can't uh, you know you can't ever uh, know the importance of it until uh, until many years later right so i spend a right. lot of time on that uh, and the third part of course is tekken product which is sort of my core experience with yahoo cognizant and infosys and while obviously i was also the ctpo at urban ladder and worked on a variety of things whether that's a very differentiated experience on mobile or ar vr or back end i think there of course you already have founders who are very strong on product and tech so i actually play that much lesser uh, as a hat uh, as an investor on the tekken product but of course you are able to sort of go deep into how to do customer research or what you look for in a product specifically consumer products because of my experience but those are more sort of you know uh, brainstorming sessions which is not really the core scope of my work uh, as much as the first two Understood. so 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 really the first part on the brand and the people is to also build antler as an institution right between nitin and me what we are trying to build we already have 15 team of a member team uh is to build antler as an institution here so it's not just the brand but also the antler people right getting the smart people who are much smarter than me or nitin on certain of these different functions whether that's finance whether right. it's capital marketing uh scouting portfolio we've got a super team right and i you know in the last 12 months i think that's the probably one of the biggest thing that i'm proud of in addition to our investments uh, and the founders that we get to work with is really the team that's that that's incredible rajiv right so rajiv uh, i want to switch gears now okay uh, you spoke about the web3 space earlier the crypto and the web3 space all right and uh, recently i believe you also announced that you know a third of your corpus will be for blockchain and crypto startups right uh, so just to summarize this you know why web3 why now and what's next from antler india in the web3 space i think two sort of uh, trends and big reasons right one is for us at antler given we are a global organization and we have a big belief in build from india for the world the kind of companies more than even saas or just consumer companies web 3.0 companies as i explained earlier are companies which are by inherent nature decentralized 
and can be global. And uh, it fits in very well with our thesis and our just antler as an institution, right? So that's a very sort of a very core reason. Two is our own experience and expertise between Nitin and, you know, Nitin is uh, far more well-versed. He was India's first investor in Web 3.0 and crypto. He started investing in 2017. He has a portfolio of 15, 20 companies. That's, that's incredible. <laughs> and uh, him and uh, Kathy, who is part of our team, who leads portfolio, have been investing in the Web 3 space for, you know, uh, a huge amount of time. Kathy was even a founder of a blockchain company before she uh, came on board Antler. And so between Nitin and Kathy and our global team, uh, which again has a bunch of partners and a bunch of uh, folks across different geographies, we have sort of taken the lead on uh, running the show, everything blockchain and Web 3.0, right? Because of, again, Nitin's uh, background. So that's the other reason in terms of team capability, team interest, team expertise. Last but not the least, just the here and now of it, not just because, you know, India talks a lot, lot more about crypto today, uh, or the younger founders are building. It's just a way of life. You talk to the 20-year-old, every uh, a huge chunk of them either have their first NFT or have their, you know, uh, uh, some account in one of the crypto exchanges. Uh, and really, I think if you are building an institution for the next few decades and you're working with talent, which is, you know, coming up from the colleges in the 20 to 30 you are looking at things which they feel are important. And clearly that generation and that audience feels that the way for the future outside of climate and the metaverse is actually Web 3.0, right? Because everyone wants decentralization. Everyone wants uh, some kind of a share of what efforts they are putting in and no one wants to be associated or attached to just one Web 2.0 profile or you know, <laughs> uh, company. Right. right? Right. Uh, because there's just a fundamental nature of democratization, decentralization, which the way the audience of the newer age thinks, right? So there is clearly a here and now to your question. Yes, there is a here and now also that this is becoming more and more prevalent and talked about right now than even 12 to 15, 18 months back, right? So that's sort of the other reason sort of uh, we felt that the more we engage with the audience, the more we engage with founders, this is just a, a truly a uh, phenomenally new space in in which the web itself is going to move towards. So those are the two, three reasons that I can think of, which is why we talked about making a, a reasonably big bet across uh, India and the global fund investments in India to get uh, almost a third of the fund. Hopefully, hopefully your investments go to the moon <laughs> in the Web3 space. Hopefully, yes. Yes. I have one last question for you, Rajiv. What advice do you have for other aspiring entrepreneurs or as we like to call them, Indian odds? <laughs> I'm, uh, you know, I try and uh, tell people I'm too young to be giving advice. I'm not too <laughs> young. But uh, I think, you know, now is probably the best time ever to build, right? There's so much access to everything. There's so much access to mentorship, uh, capital, talent, ideas, uh, you mail anyone, they're going to respond. Uh, so if anyone, whether that's a 20 year old in a college, whether that's a 25 to 30 year old in a startup, whether that's a 30 to 40 year old in a big company, I think there has never been a better time. And, and maybe it's two, 10 years later, if I address someone, maybe at that time, there's never been a better time, but certainly today I can tell mm -hmm. you having done this 10 years back, uh, there is just the, today, the time is 10 X better than 10 years back, 10 X better. Okay, in every story. So just make that bet, make that jump. Uh, you know, it's just uh, people think that they have too much to lose in terms of education loan and this and that and home loan. Actually, it's not. You know, in a couple of years, if things don't 
go well there is always people who will value your experience so just make that bet don't don't live with that regret don't die with that regret of wanting <laughs> to start up but never having done it and right. you know i i was lucky to have made that bet for a variety of other things that worked in my favor i'm not uh, sort of trivializing that but i think absolutely you should go build it and i would say then you will not have a regret you started as a side project started as a full time thing do a sabbatical whatever it is just go build understood understood that, that's excellent advice rajiv thank you so much for joining us today we wish you and antler the best of luck for the future thanks thanks autumn for having me and uh, best wishes on your podcast too thank you thank you so much thank you so much everyone for joining us for this episode the in not podcast is available on youtube apple music spotify and podcast be sure to follow us on instagram and facebook to receive all updates on the upcoming episodes we'll see you in the next one